the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Welcome to the Jenna Ellis Show. I am Jenna Ellis, your host, and we have a lot to talk about. I want to talk to you about my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Uh, This is a great company that you can trust to give you good, patient counsel for your personal situation. And their team of experts has decades of experience for helping Americans like you and me make the right decision for us and uh, ourselves and our family for protecting our finances and retirements. And so when times are turbulent, you need a really good asset that protects you. And that's why I really believe in investing in gold and also trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. So call Legacy Precious Metals today. Their phone number is 866. 528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or you can visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. Totally worth it. We have to push back against this whole notion that uh, abortion activists and abortion on demand is a settled question in the United States. That's absolutely false. This has been an ongoing debate. And it should be because we are always advocating for and on the right side of truth. And we need to continue to speak truth and to advocate for truth, regardless of the perceived popular opinion of the day. And I don't even think that it's actually the popular opinion of the day. The left would like you to believe that and would like us to think that pro-life is in the minority. But if you look at things like the March for Life, if you look at A lot of college campuses, if you look at, you know, the Gen Zers and younger, they will say, you know, we are the pro-life generation because they're looking at the science and, you know, the left, they, they claim, you know, Hey, trust the science, but science to them is a philosophical term. It's not a factual empirical, um, contemplation to them. It's the science is whatever we want it to mean. They do that all the time with different words and phrases. They do it even, even in the definition of abortion, they manipulate that term abortion to mean women's health care. And they, they want to redefine an unborn child as a mere blob of cells. Well, we know empirically based on science, that is not biologically accurate. Um, a human being from conception remains a human being. It's just at a different stage of development. Um, but the moral dignity and value of a human being does not change, whether it's from the moment of conception all the way to natural birth. And we have to maintain those very rigid God-imposed lines because if we ever allow the line of human worth and moral dignity um, and that all human beings as our founders recognize are made in the image of God, have inherent dignity and worth, have all of their unalienable rights attached at the moment of conception, if we draw that line any further back, 
it will always be arbitrary. And we've seen the left do that. We've seen the left try to draw this line um, even up to infanticide now, saying, well, you know, even once the child is born, uh, the mom has the ability to determine, is this a desired pregnancy? And so somehow dignity and worth and value is attached to the mother's arbitrary desire. I mean, that's just such an absurd contemplation that a third party could designate your moral status as a human being before God. Um, that just opens so much that is, uh, it gets into you know, things of genocide, um, reasons that, you know, Nazi Germany uh, undervalued and, and dehumanized um, Jews, you know, in, in the Holocaust. I mean, it was the same line of thinking of saying just because of this particular characteristic, then we can arbitrarily assign moral value to um, this particular human being, whether it's a newly born child, it's an unborn child, you know, in the uh, the fifth week of development, whether it's an elderly person with these completed life bills saying, you know what, you're not really valuable to society anymore because you've retired, you're in a retirement community, you're taking resources from, you know, the state. And so the principle of scarcity needs to, uh, to weigh in. And so, you know, we're going to say that you can uh, go ahead and um, have a completed life. And so, you know, these uh, physician assisted suicide, that's the same arbitrary moral value line being drawn back and saying you are only valuable or you're in this hierarchy of value if you um, are contributing to society in a way that this elitist oligarchy deems is um, is worth their uh, their contemplation and their designation of value. Um, so we have to maintain the truth that from the moment of conception all the way till natural death, um, and of course, you know, along that that line, um, do miscarriages happen? Yes. Do um, do people have various ways and times and place and manner that um, that they die? Yes. That's the human condition. But intent is the key. And so this is why elective abortion is very different than a miscarriage. Um, a miscarriage is unfortunately a natural process. Um, some pregnancies end because of um, how, you know, there are different uh, flaws within the pregnancy. Um, there are different, you know, accidents can happen, but it's not intentional. And that's why a medical intervention is the intent of the pregnant mother to specifically cause the death of the child. And this is why this certified question and elective, uh, all pre-viability elective abortions are unconstitutional. That's really important. So um, so really quickly, we're going to take a pause here, and then I'm going to kind of take us back into history of this um, for, for our last few minutes together. But I want to tell you um, really quickly about First Liberty. Speaking of the Supreme Court, we are weeks away from another American travesty and one that could lead our country even further down the road to tyranny. So abortion isn't the only uh, question that we're contemplating with the court by any means. And so, uh, of course, court packing is a very real possibility that the liberal left, um, especially depending on the outcome of this abortion case, I could absolutely see them uh, saying, you know, look, Roe versus Wade in some way, you know, was overturned or the Supreme Court didn't do what we wanted it to. So that's going to justify court packing. Um, that, of course, you know, they manipulate the rules whenever they don't get the preferred political outcome. They do not want the judicial branch to be a separate branch of government. They don't want it to be 
um, just the review and the check and balance on the two political branches. They want judicial activism when it suits them. We as conservatives should never want judicial activism. We should want the independent check and balance. That should mean that, you know, guess what? Republicans don't win all the time in court. That's okay. We should always want an originalist perspective to make sure that the Supreme Court is a check and balance on the two political branches of government. So thankfully, my friends at the First Liberty Institute, which is a national nonprofit law firm, are taking a stand. I was just on a panel with my good friend, Lachlan Watts, who's a great lawyer at First Liberty um, at a conference in Orlando last weekend. And uh, he's he's fantastic. And all of these guys, Kelly Shackelford, um, who's the CEO of First Liberty, very good friend of mine, And they are all writing a letter. Um, They've written a letter to the Biden commission to reject court packing as a scheme. And over 100,000 prominent leaders, including me, um, including patriots like you, Franklin Graham, uh, former Attorney General Ed Meese, Dr. James Dobson, plus organizations like the American Policy Association, uh, my friend Penny Nance at Concerned Women for America, the Heritage Foundation, all of these great conservative organizations are on board. So they have uh, continued to open up this, um, this, the ability for uh, this letter to be signed. So you have until September 29th. So go to Supreme Coup, that's C-O-U-P dot com uh, right now and sign up for that. So, all right, uh, going back now and dispelling, so we've dispelled the first myth of super precedent, laid the stage for uh, this, this case that is going to be heard December 1st. Um, it's the Dobbs case. It's Dobbs versus Whole Women's Health. That's the name of the case. Uh, but we have to go back and also dispel this second kind of prominent myth of the left regarding abortion law um, that started with Roe versus Wade and has continued on with uh, the progeny of cases. And that's this myth that you always hear that abortion is um, a, a constitutional right for women. Well, there are a couple of problems with this. The first is that uh, the Constitution doesn't give us our rights. Remember, we have the Declaration, which simply recognizes that it is God, our creator, that endows every human being made in his image um, with certain unalienable rights. So it's God that gives us our rights, not the government. The Constitution only gives specific limited powers to the federal government, then to the states, and reserved to we the people, uh, the power to preserve and protect those rights. So from a just 30,000 top-level view of the constitutional perspective, it's totally a myth to say that it is a constitutional right. Um, if At best, it would be a right that the Constitution protects. That's also false. So when you look at the specific limited powers that are given to the federal government to preserve and protect life, uh, the entire health care Uh, subject matter, just like education as a subject matter, just like domestic relations as a subject matter. Um, All of these things are not given to the federal government to comment on and to regulate. This is a state issue. So the easiest thing that the Supreme Court could do, uh, which would completely avoid taking a position on the moral question of abortion and, you know, some of these obvious bright line standards of life begins at conception all you know, and, and uh, goes and all the way till natural death and um, drawing those lines and those moral value um, statements that we've just talked about. The Supreme Court could very easily just say, listen, um, you know, we are observing that while Roe versus Wade created this kind of balancing test and said, 
um, you know, that the, the government can protect as a compelling interest in protecting life. Uh, but, you know, there's this contrast in the right to privacy uh, for women in healthcare decision making. That's actually a contemplation that the states need to uh, to make themselves. And they could very easily uh, invoke federalism and say, you know, we are overturning it on that basis. And then it would become a state battle. And almost immediately, you would have a lot of states that would protect life. And then you would have some of the, you know, liberal, super, super blue states that uh, would have abortion on demand. And then it would become a state battle to say, well, states now, uh, based on their constitutions, based on all the other principles of of morality and um, the limited uh, the limited protections and, and powers of government to make sure to preserve and protect life, um, that's still then a, a state-level battle. So I think that that would be the easiest way that the Supreme Court could kind of sidestep this. And that would still be a very hugely significant win for pro-life and for the Constitution. And I hope that that is at least part of this decision, because rightfully, the Supreme Court should go through and overturn any precedent where it is overstepping its constitutionally uh, given specific limited enumerated powers. And we've seen the support the Supreme Court do that very recently um, and say, you know, hey, we're overturning um, this bad precedent. We're giving this issue to the states. We're invoking federalism. They've done that a few times in um, the past few years. So that would be the easiest way to do this. But uh, they could also go even further and they could simply um, trust the science. <laughs> they could say that, you know, Roe versus Wade in 1973 was um, on not only a faulty constitutional premise, but also um, faulty science. And so there has never been a Supreme Court case that has specifically held that a woman has a constitutional right to abortion. What Roe versus Wade did was said that uh, was acknowledged that the government has a compelling interest in protecting life, but that a woman has privacy in healthcare decision making that some, in some instances, in some circumstances, does cover some elective abortions. So then Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, which was the next opportunity that the Supreme Court had to overturn Roe versus Wade, they kind of doubled down. And they said, we're going to further clarify this even and create what's called an undue burden test. And if a woman is unduly burdened by a state law from making uh, privacy decisions and healthcare decisions in determining to have an elective abortion, then that law is too restrictive. All right, before we continue, as you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. And he did not stop by simply creating the best pillow. He also created the the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule, as you know. So Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It is ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. So Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And his latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you will receive 50% off the Giza Dream sheets, and you will receive a set for as low as $49.99. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Jenna. That's right. I have my own promo code just for you to take advantage of. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, so much more. So call one 800 564 
888-888-8475. Use the promo code Jenna or go to mypillow.com and make sure you use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. So Planned Parenthood versus Casey went even further. Um, And that obviously is totally unconstitutional. Um, The federal government has never had that type of authority. It is a state-level issue. And if the state of Texas wants to say um, that once there's a fetal heartbeat, you can't have an abortion, they absolutely have a compelling, legitimate government interest in preserving and protecting the life of an unborn child from a would-be murderer, from an intentional intervention that's designed to kill that child just as much as the criminal code in every state has uh, has Ill, has outlawed and made illegal intentional murder, right? Um, so if if you have um, any killing that takes place, then that is intentional and it's not otherwise excused or justified. That is illegal. So um, so we have to dispel this myth that somehow there's a constitutional right to abortion. That's absolutely false. And if you go, actually go back and you look at the case law on this, and you see what the Supreme Court did, they, of course, manipulated the Constitution. They said that, you know, our rights come from the Constitution, ignoring the entire structure of it. And we have to be better advocates than that. We have to know that that is their myth, their talking point, and push back on that and say, first and foremost, this isn't super precedent. It's not a settled debate. We will always speak truth and uh, and have the interest of protecting life. And second, this whole idea that it is a constitutional right for women to have abortions is totally false. And the reason for that is because the Constitution does not give the federal government the specific limited power to weigh in on the state's ability to regulate um, abortions that are medical interventions designed to kill a child. So we, that's that's the really quick uh, summary of how we need to be better advocates and we need to not accept those talking points and respond to those talking points with pro-life advocacy or, you know, anti-abortion activism. We need to say, no, I reject that premise. That is false. Here is why. And we also need to be praying for the outcome of this case. Um, I am hopeful that the majority of the court, at least five, hopefully more, will say, you know what, it is time not only for the science, for the Constitution, for life and liberty, but just for for a moral premise. I mean, all law that is um, that is legislated in, in any given society is a commentary on morality. Uh, we legislate morality all the time. Any criminal code saying you are prohibited from committing this act because it is morally reprehensible, it is wrong, you can be it's criminalized conduct. You can be punished for that in society. That is a moral judgment that society is, um, is evidencing based on the legislation and, and the statutory configuration. So we have to also push back on that and say, this is something that it is so reprehensible that in 2021 with everything that we know, even just based on the science, based on what we see in fetal heartbeats and all on these ultrasounds, what we know to be true, that in 2021, it is still acceptable in some states for women to have elective abortions. That's just, that should be shocking to us. And as much as we can advocate, and I do advocate in the, in the legal lens and the constitutional lens, um, as my friend Abby Johnson loves to say, we need to not just strive to make abortion illegal, but we should strive to make it unthinkable. 
And so as we push back in this, and, and I hope everyone um, participating in this conversation today has been encouraged to be pro-life advocates and to push back on this, we also need to be changing hearts and minds um, to be saying, you know, there are so many other options available. Um, my little brother, by the way, is um, is adopted and into our family. And um, he, I can't imagine life without my little brother. And, you know, God knew from the moment he was conceived that he would be part of our family. He just came in a, you know, different way than, um, than biological. But uh, his mom was a teenage pregnancy. And um, the statistics, you know, of everything that was going on in uh, that mother's life, um, it would have been the easier thing by far for her to have chosen to have an abortion. And I'm so glad that she didn't because, um, my little brother absolutely was meant to be in our family, um, has all inherent dignity of being, um, you know, a young man that is created in the image of God has inherent dignity and worth and has a wonderful life to live. Um, and, so those are the types of stories and the type of advocacy that I think we're actually doing a better job at. Um, and that's why I love and respect um, people like Lila and Abby Johnson who are making great strides connecting with young women um, and uh, unplanned pregnancies and showing the horrific nature of what an abortion actually entails. Um, you know, this is not a, an easy thing. There is so much, um, you know, grief and regret and Planned Parenthood even acknowledges that. Um, and so, you know, Abby said one time, you know, you wonder why abortions aren't shown in entertainment media. You know, you just see in a lot of the scripts that, um, and a lot of the storylines in, in popular television and movies that, oh yeah, I just, I decided to, you know, end my pregnancy and, or I decided to have an abortion because, you know, go feminism. And that's all that is offered in the show. You never actually see an abortion taking place. And the reason for that is because it is so gruesome and so obviously evil and immoral and, um, absolutely horrific. I mean, it's, it's literally, at times, you know, tearing a baby apart in the womb. And that's the kind of truth that people like Abby Johnson are bringing forward. And she was a former uh, Planned Parenthood director. Um, and she's very open about the fact that she herself had an abortion and how, you know, she went through um, so much regret um, through that. And she ultimately, um, you know, became saved through that situation. She knows that, you know, God has forgiven sin of the past and it's such a wonderful redemption story. And if there are people out there, you know, if you've had an abortion, I mean, there's, that is why the gospel is so profound that there is nothing that we can do that will ever separate us from the love that we have in the father and in Christ Jesus. And, um, you know, Paul talks about that in the new Testament, neither height nor depth, um, can separate us from the love and grace that's in Jesus Christ. And so a lot of the uh, abortion advocates, you know, are women who have experienced the pain and regret and guilt of abortion. And so, you know, they don't want to have to face that. But there is so much hope and there's so much um, freedom and liberty in repenting of sin, accepting forgiveness, and making Jesus Christ um, the Lord and Savior of your life, and turning over every evil thing to him, and asking forgiveness. Um, there is nothing that he will not forgive when we are genuinely repentant, when we accept the free gift of salvation, and say, you know, 
Lord, I, I believe in you, that you are the son of God and that you came um, in the flesh, died and rose again and, um, and our Lord. And if there's nothing that the creator of the universe won't forgive, then how arrogant of us to think that we can't forgive ourselves for our own mistakes or sin or um, victimization that has occurred, you know, by other sin in us that we can't forgive other people as well. Um, and that's the wonderful liberation of the gospel. I mean, you want to talk about true, you know, women's liberation, it's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to be better advocates in the legal uh, lens, but ultimately because we're founded in the Christian worldview and we know the truth of when life begins, why every human being has inherent dignity and worth, and why um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best way and the truthful way to live out our faith and our salvation daily and share that with others. Um, so be pro-life advocates. I'm so excited to be with you. And this has been The Jenna Ellis Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.